1: What's up, everybody, and welcome uh, to a brand new spoiler review for episode three of Ahsoka here from the
2: Geek Buddies. We're back
1: at it uh, here. Episode three, the shortest episode so far in uh, the series here, about 30 minutes without credits and without previously on. Uh, but there was a lot to get into for sure here in this one between uh, Sabine and Ahsoka and Hu Yang there as well. We got hyperspace rings. We got Pergils. And that's how you say it. No hard G. Pergils. We also got uh, some New Republic politics rearing its ugly head, a massive space battle, and some new um, mythology and canon stuff to add to Star Wars for us to discuss. Here on this uh, particular spoiler review episode, but let's introduce ourselves first. I'm the outlaw John Rooker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies.
0: I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV
2: shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer, where if you go to the Strawberry Shortcake Berry in the Big City YouTube page right now, the most recent episode
0: that aired last weekend was one of mine, Custer's Big Day Out. That is true. Nice, Every episode nice. is an episode of mine, but the episodes that are mine and Shannon's are some of my favorites. <laughs> wow, wow! He
1: slid himself in there, Shannon. You gotta love it. You gotta, you gotta appreciate the plugs for himself. All right, this one, cool. <laughs> this one, this one. And look, he did, he works hard on these things, so he deserves to give himself a little bit of a shout out. Uh, this one is directed yet again by Steph Green. This episode called "Time to Fly." I'm thinking REO Speedwagon. It's time for me to fly, so I like that. Written by Dave Filoni here. Here's the plot line. Hera tangles with New Republic politics while Ahsoka and Sabine uh, ran voyage to a distant planet. That's the basic gist of this one. And there's a lot that happened here. Michael, let's get your overall thoughts here before we dive into these
0: sections of the show. Well, I hate nothing more than a short Star Wars episode. I I mean, I just wait. Look, I... Unless it's animated. Unless it's animated. Yeah. Well, no, well, well, I think it's like it's more about expectation. Like when Fair you're enough. going into an animated series and you know every episode is about 22 minutes, tw- 22 to 25 to 26 minutes when you look at streaming, you're like, okay, cool. That's what I'm in for. I go to watch Adventures with, uh, my adventures with Superman. I know I'm getting a half hour episode. Uh, I, I, I go, go to, to watch, watch Strawberry Shortcake. I know I'm getting a four minute episode. You're, you're right. getting a four yeah, minute episode. There's an <laughs> expectation. You know when you're and when you're going to watch like uh, you know a classic hour long. You know you're watch you're you're catching up on your SVUs or whatever. You're getting a 44 minute episode. The Teasing me with it could be 56 minutes, it could be 42 minutes, and then with those seven minutes of credits, you're just subtract it drives me a little bit crazy. So when I saw that this episode was clocking in with credits and previously on at about 37, I was like already not thrilled. I was mad about it. But they packed the hell out of those 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they gave us they gave us a lot of mythology they gave us a lot of action they yeah. gave us some really really cool space stuff and uh a lot of my mild concerns in the first two episodes kind of went away in this episode so Ooh. i thought that this episode was a rip-roaring fun episode for me um i you know already i'm getting to that antsy like all right we're almost halfway where are we going? What are we doing? What's happening? But uh, I had a blast. I really enjoyed all the characters, and uh, I'm excited to talk about some new mythology stuff and everybody's new favorite Mephisto, Meruk. Maruk. Maruk. <laughs> Maruk. Maruk.
2: Like Baroque. Sh- Mar- Shin Hati
0: called him Maruk. <laughs> She's still learning. She's the one. Yeah. Literally went through and like was like, how does she say it? Shannon's saying it funny. Maruk, <laughs> Maruk, whatever. As you wish. The, uh, yeah. The, the uh, only it, way. The only way. The only way you say his name is not Ezra. That's the only way it's officially pronounced. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but maybe Bearis. Um. Uh, Shannon. Yeah. Listen. You both have cut, hooked me into the bear. And each one of those episodes, pretty much, are twenty five to twenty eight minutes, except for the occasional twelve minute one or the occasional hour long one, which is where I'm at right now. We're about to watch that hour long one in season two. Ah. Uh, so Ooh. you can. You can't. Yeah. Home still in Denmark. Like we got Homie in Denmark. And then uh, the a certain somebody has shown up back into the main dude's life. So um, but so you we've seen that you can do really great quality television in 30 minutes. Michael talks about expectations, which is fair, considering we had 56 minutes and 42 minutes in the previous two episodes. So what did you think of this uh,
2: episode overall, a clocking in about 30 minutes? What do you think of what, what we got? I mean, everything that we got, I really liked. It was mm. just one of those situations that as the episode ends on Ray Stevenson and credits come up, I mean, and I knew ahead of time because our our, our personal thread had already been lit ablaze. Yeah, Mr. Gabe. By the runtime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, <laughs> but, is this is, is bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, the moment that it closes on Ray Stevenson, like, I knew it was coming. I'm like, who knows? 20 minutes we could do another 20 minutes of stuff right now right but i mean the thing i think we, we have to kind of learn to trust in dave filoni is each episode is as long as it needs to be um, you know, the some of the some other series have been dinged for filler episodes, and this didn't feel like a filler episode to me. I mean, it felt like, here's the information that we need to get across, yeah. and here is some fun action. Like, I've read a couple of reactions online being like, yeah, you know, maybe this didn't need to be eight episodes because this was just a pew, pew, pew episode. And it's like, well, Star Wars is pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that to, to be fair, <laughs> um, you know, does it give us a lot more? Yes, but but also it is... It is based off of Republic serials. I mean, this and yeah. there is a healthy amount of action. And, and this one had a had a great uh, space battle. We had a great, uh, you know, training sequence, and also we had a really, really great uh, verbal joust between Hera and uh, some of the some of the senators. So overall, I was really happy. Would I have yeah. liked more? Yes, but in the event that they did give us more, it may have been one of those situations of like, hey, maybe you didn't need this. Maybe you could have cut this out. So what we got, I was very happy
0: with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Having seen it uh, three times now, because it's you know only 30 minutes, so I can certainly watch it over and over again. Not a big deal. I think it gets better with every rewatch, because you can let go of all that. You just sit back and enjoy what Filoni was trying to do with this episode. So I did enjoy the episode overall, and I liked the conversations. Yeah, space battles, I've seen them. Those are all cool. The Ahsoka moves were badass when she's on the wing. The conversations to me, that's what really appealed to me about this episode. The back and forth with Ahsoka and Sabine about the Force, the talk uh, with Huang about the old Mandalorian Jedi, about how much he's trained, about the changes that have been gone on in the Jedi Order, and then the conversation with Hera and uh, Senator Jono. I mean, the I standoff, the F-U standoff, and the I standoff I thought was pretty awesome. So there was a lot here to thoroughly enjoy in this episode we're going to break it on down here and again this is a spoiler review so if you haven't seen it go see it come on back and hang out with us for the rest of this episode and if you don't care then hang on we're going in so uh let's start off here we start off with Hu huyang training sabine this drill is reminiscent of the samurai technique known as tamashigiri uh, which was used to test a blade sharpness with a series of different cuts he says that she's not good and not bad and she's getting barely by on the basics And then Ahsoka wants to level up her training with the Zatochi technique, which is essentially training blindfolded. We saw Luke do this in A New Hope. We know that Star Wars has a history of blind Jedi, Kanan Jarrus, Jared Imwe. For me personally... I had a Leonardo DiCaprio moment when they said Zatochi because I have been a massive fan for decades of Zatoichi, which is the blind samurai swordsman uh, who was played very famously by Shintaro Katsu in a number of films. You can buy them all as a collection on Criterion. He even took on Toshiro Mifune's Yojimbo from Akira Kurosawa fame in one of those films. And then uh, Takeshi Kitano did a remake of that in 2003. So, Great shout out to Samurai Origins of Star Wars here by calling it the Zatochi Method. Um, and then they, uh, which is uh, created by novelist Kam Shimazawa. I want to give cr- uh, credit here for that. But um, uh, let- we move on here now. Ahsoka training here with wooden blades. These are named Bakken. And the training they're using is very reminiscent to Kenjutsu. So maybe they were doing some of that here back and forth. She tells Sabine that she needs a deeper connection to the force here. And then she kind of disappears and pops up in a separate place so does ahsoka have forced teleportation i don't know just throwing it out there to consider sabine eventually gets the hang of it for a few seconds then ahsoka takes her down and says anger and frustration are quick to give power but also imbalance you this is something that i've been navigating for about five decades in my life life <laughs> later they have a convo about the fourth that's well, true about <laughs> I'm sure these two gentlemen can confirmed. confirm <laughs> later they have a conversation about the force with sabine saying she can't feel the force and she wants to train faster ahsoka tells sabine that the force is in everything kind of echoing with kane and Jairus, i think i said before in rebels including her but the ones who learn how to use it have talent focus and determination and that's how she leaves it she heads to the cockpit with hu yang they discuss sabine's progress and that have an interesting back and forth about the Jedi Order and the history of Ahsoka coming from a long line of non-traditional Jedi. Hu Yang also notes that Jedi standards had held firm for a millennium. Remember, he's been around for 25,000 years, and that they were codified only a 1,000 years ago, and this was after the defeat of the Sith, which led to the reformation of the Republic. So Jedi protocols were different. In the past will this have some connection to james mangold's movie i don't know but certainly it's possible and uh he also talks about there were few mandalorian jedi which implies there were more than one more than uh than uh tari vizsla who have been mandalorian jedi so that's interesting thing to throw in as well sabine tries to move the cup and can't then ins- then ahsoka interrupts her with word from Hera. so michael a lot deceptively a lot in this opening uh scene, few scenes here for this episode, what are your thoughts about what we got here between all of these characters?
0: Yeah, echoing what Shannon said earlier, Star Wars fans getting mad about an episode that is pew pew pew, don't really know Star Wars, but also this is not just a pew 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 episode as yeah. you just laid out. There's a lot going on and there's a lot be there's a lot of Jedi talk being laid out here that's really really interesting. Um So, first of all, you know, I mean, I think that some of the complaints that I've seen and some of the issues that even I had a little bit was that in the first two episodes, Ahsoka felt a little dour, uh, a uh, a little pulled back, um... And the chemistry between her and Sabine was a little, you know, not non-existent, but there was a lot of issues there that they were working on. And I think opening up with this scene, uh, with the two of them coming in and training together, Ahsoka felt a lot more like the Ahsoka that I know. Like, she, like I think Rosario Dawson was really dropping into it in a really, really nice way. And the two of them had a really nice stuff going on. Um, Seeing her train with Hu Yang was cool. Like Hu Yang is, also, I think it's this episode really makes it clear why they chose Hu Yang to be the droid yeah. of this episode. 100%. Like when you have an episode where you have Anakin Skywalkers Padawan who walked away from the Jedi Order and wants to do things in a different way, It's great to have the droid that is by her side be literally the expert on all things Jedi of the past, like, thousand years. uh, Because it leads to some really interesting conversations. And then, you know, I've seen some people say, okay, well, they just did the Luke Obi-Wan thing. We've all seen the blind Jedi training. I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of what made it nice. It felt Mm -hmm. like coming home to something that we're really familiar with. Like, seeing Sabine and Ahsoka train in their way, it was beautifully shot. It was beautifully scored. It was a really fun sequence. And I like the echoes of, yeah, this is Obi-Wan and Luke. This is, you know, this is all of the uh, younglings in the Jedi Temple. Like, this is a very tried and true method. Um, And I really thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the conversation between Ahsoka and Sabine was very interesting. We're on this sort of road of, like, redefining the Force and Jedi in general. We've gone from, you're the chosen one, which is kind of where Luke started. Like, you know, you are descended from the royalty of the Force. Your father was this great Jedi. You are chosen. Here's Excalibur. To the Ryan Johnson, very controversial. Hey, you're nobody. You don't have to be the daughter or son of some great Jedi to be a great Jedi. Anybody could be a great Jedi. To what Ahsoka is seemingly saying here, which is, yeah, yeah, talent is important. Some people are just born natural with a natural affinity. Yeah. But even if you don't have talent, you could be a Jedi? Like, that's kind of a new take on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me want to know a lot more about what it is that ahsoka saw in sabine originally why ahsoka chose to train sabine and what ahsoka's real thoughts are here i mean i think that they do seem to be setting up this very big discussion about ahsoka has her journeys have led her to have a very different opinion about the force and force users than what the jedi order has with their you know midi-chlorian counters and let's go find younglings and take them away from there. Let's go find four sensitive kids, take them away from their parents and train them at a really young age at the Jedi temple. So it's going to be really interesting because even when Huyang Yang is like, she's not going to be a great Jedi. And Ahsoka says, I don't need her to be a Jedi. I need her to be herself. Like right. I, there's some That's really out. interesting ideas here that are just sort of scratching the surface in this conversation, but could lead to some pretty big shifts In the way that we think of the Force and the Jedi in general. So I thought all that was really interesting. I think Hu Yang saying that Ahsoka comes from a long line of non traditional Jedis for Star Wars nerds might be one of the lines of the episode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've seen everybody already posting the pictures. Like it goes back from like it's Ahsoka and Anakin, Anakin and Obi Wan. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon and Dooku, Dooku and Yoda. Like, it literally is, <laughs> that is the order of Master to Padawan. And uh, and putting Sabine there in line with that is really, really exciting. And yeah, you're right. It Look, Mandalorians and Jedi traditionally have been uh, against each other. Yeah, Most we saw of the that Mandalorians' the technology and armor and jetpacks and everything they have was designed to fight Jedi. Yeah. So Tar Vizsla being this Jedi who created the Darksaber was a big deal. Grogu being a Jedi who chose the Mandalorian path is a big deal. And now Sabine is a pretty big deal. So yeah, I think, look, Dave Filoni has pretty much written the book on Mandalore as far as Star Wars uh, mythology is concerned. So definitely going to be interesting to get more of that. But like with all of that going on, I mean, we're, again, this is what I said, like not excited about a half hour episode, but this is like the first 10 minutes yeah, and we just got this wealth of knowledge, information, kind of all of these ideas, this Ahsoka's philosophy on the force, which I think is going to hopefully reap dividends in the long run. Yeah.
1: It feels like it's reflective of what's going on as we've advanced as a society in embracing more and more about mental health, more and more about philosophy, more and more how we approach the world, more and more about how we see things. And it's fascinating, Shannon, I mean, people seem to forget this is the same Sabine who wielded the dark saber. So, I mean, this idea that she might have questions about herself just seems so odd. What did you think about the first uh, a few scenes we got here of this
2: episode? Well, I mean, I really like the... I mean, who Yang is becoming my favorite character of, of the yeah. series <laughs> He's three episodes in. I mean, David Tennant's performance is just so, so funny. But I like the way that, the, the way that he delivers that last line talking about Sabine training. He's like, you weren't bad. But you weren't good yeah. i mean you, you set it up as a compliment and you come in at the end with that strike and watching ahsoka and sabine train and like like i get the whole idea that you know, we have seen luke do this we've seen the younglings do it in episode two um this was different because you're not fighting against a probe droid hmm. you are fighting against uh, a, a a person and and the way sort of runs contrary to what she would have gotten as a Mandalorian. So, I mean, it's really, really interesting to watch that. And more so than watching Luke or the younglings, I'm like, Oh, at some point Sabine's fighting in the dark. I think that's what this scene really tees up at some point during the series. Mm, Um, I, I also thought in episode two of Loki, we were going to see a jet ski at the end of the series. So (laughs) that might, that may not come to fruition. Um, But
0: I, Hey, there is absolutely a jet ski in the trailer for season two. So you weren't <laughs> yeah, wrong. You were just early. I was wrong in my timing. Um,
2: <laughs> but, but I mean, I did like the, the Ahsoka, the Ahsoka-Huyang um, exchange in the cockpit, talking about how she comes from a long line of, you know, kind of unlikely Jedi. Again, Huyang, very, very funny. And like, I definitely hear what Vogel was saying about maybe some of the um, dings on ahsoka in the first two episodes and that she seems a little dour well we've never seen her at this point in her life Mm -hmm. so i feel like you i feel like you kind of have to provide the space for that that um interesting characters are kind of fluid fluid changing things and if someone is the same way the whole time that doesn't always make for the most most interesting story so Mm -hmm. getting her a little dour watching her sort of come to life like the thing that potentially was missing was Sabine. Um, You know, she, she, she feels that duty to pass on what she's learned. I mean, so I I really enjoyed everything and watching Sabine with that cup, (laughs) trying to use the (laughs) force to bring that cup to her and
0: getting the call and be like, well, you
2: win this. (laughs) And
0: I was like, that's really funny. Did anybody else? I mean, like I was having such flashbacks, like the number of times as a kid, that I would sit around and like try to use the force. Like I'd be like, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. like watching Sabine do that gave me all the childhood flashbacks of me sitting like at my, watching my cereal being like,
2: yeah. Cause if it was going to work, it was going to be when no one else was around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But I, I kind of liked that they zigged when you thought they were going to zag that she didn't move
1: it, that she didn't do, you know, I, I liked that it wasn't an easy fix. It's going to be, progress because they're definitely making as shannon you pointed out they're definitely making at a point that she is not um a jedi trained fully jedi trained person that there she's got some ways to go and how is that going to play overall uh in the story they're telling with her as we go along in these episodes and she finds herself in these combat situations i'm real curious to see and i like and what it- natasha Liu bordizzo is doing here there's a matter of factness there's, there's not this over-aggressive desire to learn. She's very clear about who she is, but she also wants to get into a position where she feels comfortable in situations, but she doesn't get super mad or super angry. And I like that you've got that balance, for lack of a better term, yeah. with her and Ahsoka. And Michael, you bring up an excellent point. The fact that you have Ahsoka, who's a non-traditional Jedi, and who Yang has been around for 25,000 years, again, you achieve balance. There are things to take, from both philosophies that Sabine, I think, is going to borrow from and learn from and become a different type of Jedi in her way, non-traditional, but still evoking what is best of both worlds, which is what a lot of us do in our lives. We pick up philosophies, we pick up ideas, we pick up what works for us. And I like that that is an element here as well. And I really enjoyed um, that Filoni giving a shout out to the samurai origins of Star Wars just this was for me this was like I was 10 years old watching my first samurai yeah. movie again really excited to see this kind of stuff and I cannot reiterate w- how much of an idiot I was when they called it Zatochi you know, evoke <laughs> I I lost my shit like a child. Man, I really. I do did, think.
0: So. I do think it's yeah. also just worth mentioning, really quick. I I like a lot of the Force Awakens, and I actually very much like Ray as a character. Mm. But I know that one of the general complaints is that Ray was this character that showed up and was instantly yeah. like re- yeah. very proficient in the Force. And I think what Dave Filoni is doing here is the smarter and um, ultimately more satisfying storytelling method. Yeah. Like having someone show up and just be like, "Oh my god, force mind tricks, cool." Like we have a character here who is desperately wanting to move a cup.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
0: we have we have a droid saying, "You're literally the worst Padawan in the history of 25,000 years of Padawans." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have everybody telling her that she can't. And we have Ahsoka being like, "Look, I know that you can." Mm-hmm. And so now when Sabine does literally anything force related we're all going to be very excited. Yeah. Like like yeah. so like it's it's a much different way to sort of build a character through the force. And again, I don't think that would have necessarily served the story that they created for Force Awakens, but yeah. you can see here how it, it kind of it, it's a more satisfying road to take to have a character that is the underdog.
1: We you have to reflect pop culture, right? In 1977 when the first Star Wars movie came out, We were still mystified by everything and we're obsessed with chosen ones, the chosen ones through all our lives. It was the chosen one, right? The the right president, the right person to teach us about religion or about philosophy, the right teacher, the right parent. It's all chosen one stuff. Now we're much more uh, aware of how special everybody can be. So the younger generation gravitating to somebody who's being told they can't do it. They're not as good as everybody else. But look, if you focus and you're determined and you have the talent, you can get there. And that's the message from Lizzo to everybody involved. I know it's so maybe not the best person, but like, you know, from everybody involved out there who is being the spokespeople for the younger generation. Taylor Swift, this idea that you can be this thing if you believe in yourself and you're focused and you're determined. So it's a smart move by Filoni to make Sabine reflect that for the younger generations to hook them into the franchise and hook mm-hmm. them back into Star Wars. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture.
2: That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench.
1: Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse.
2: Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat
1: for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three Months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES. B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now.
2: Use code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. Uh, All right, let's move on to Hera and the New Republic politics, and we'll take a break
1: after this discussion. We cut to the New Republic defense fleet with Hera Syndulla, still based at Home 1, and she's called into a meeting with the Senate committee. She is warned that Senator Hamatoziano is there, and for those of you who are uh, well-versed in Star Wars, you know that his son Kaz will be the star of the Star Wars Resistance animated series. She walks in and she's greeted by Bon Mothma and a diverse group of senators, including senator giano and uh, mothma asks about young jason uh, but senator giano wants to move let move things along here uh, Hera talks about her investigation on the attack of the vesper the corelia shipyards and the attack by these imperial loyalists one of the senators tries to cover them by saying they are outliers and that the Former empire people, they all took a loyalty oath, they couldn't possibly be doing this, which is seven levels of stupid, in my opinion. But anyway, Hera believes there are former imperialists working undercover to bring back Thrawn, which gives Mon Mothma and the senators pause. The word Thrawn gives them pause, just like it gave Hera pause when Ahsoka said Thrawn two episodes ago. And she wants to get approval to send a squadron to the DENAP system to help Ahsoka Sabine and Wu Yang. The senators, except for Mon Mothma, push back on this, don't believe her. Jono even accuses her of using New Republic resources in a selfish search for Ezra Bridger. He says Thrawn is dead, and he says Ezra heroically died. He is dead. Uh, And Hera calls out Jono for not fighting in the war. And there's a great I fuck you standoff there between them and even says, uh, you know, like uh, I guess she she says, I guess you just waited to see who won to see what side you were going to be on. So a real shot, which, by the way, Mon Mothma does not stop from happening and does not uh, try to get in the way of it's another senator who uh, jumps in there and says, well, look, uh, the people don't want to fight. The Imperial fleet is scattered and broken. It's not that big of a deal. Hera pushes back and warns him that Thrawn is no regular Imperial officer and she says how she has lost friends uh, and people that she cared about to Thrawn. And, of course, that refers to Kanan Jerris here uh, in season four episode uh, Jedi Knight, the, where that happens. Mon Mothma asks for time to speak to the senators. Then Jono appears to be playing and, and to speak to the senators. So we see Hera go out uh, and uh, we see Jason, her son, come in. Jason Karras comes in asking about Sabine training to be a Jedi because Chopper, of course, can't keep his mouth shut and tells him that. And now he wants to be a Jedi. And you can see this flash. I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead doing really great work in this in these two scenes because you see this flash of a little worry when he says that, but she's a mom, so she wants to encourage him. And he says, of course, yes, of course. You, she says, of course, you can be a Jedi. Uh, and with that, and of course, uh, I got uh, Jane and, Kane and Jairus tears. But Jano appears to be playing a role associated with corrupt politician Borsik Fela and Fela in Legends. Fela, sorry. Fela would eventually become a chancellor himself uh, and was ambitious and self-interested. So that's part of the Thrawn novel. So Shannon, your thoughts on these two scenes here, the the back and forth with the senators in Mon Mothma and then out there in the corridor with Jason.
2: I mean, as we open up and we see that shot of a a section, at least, of the New Republic fleet, you know, it's just giving me the Return of the Jedi vibes. Like, oh, this looks, (laughs) from the outside, this looks so good and so put together. And then we go into the scene where we find out why ultimately the New Republic is going to fail. Um, You know, great to see Genevieve O'Reilly. Like, you know, she's just a dynamite performer and also just fun watching a character crossover from rogue one initially return of the jedi into rogue one into andor now into ahsoka it's just it's just fun to see someone um you know traverse a a character traverse all of that distance um yeah i mean i mean again i still am not on the mary elizabeth winstead Uh, bandwagon yet it's and it's not because i don't think she's a phenomenal performer because i really do i just want someone a little more maternal a little more mature i think in that role but her back and forth with giano was great i mean that moment of you know were you in the war so you just sat back and waited to see who came out on top like that is such a great to me that's such a great Andor line like Mm. that's something you would have seen with mon mothma in her apartment with all of the political intrigue so that was a blast. I, I am curious why all of the new Republic senators look like they're about to go to the spa. Like, like you know, you see how the well, Imperials, senators, you know. how the Imperials dress and be like, you know what, we're go- we're going way more peace and love. Everybody, get your robe on. Um, so I just thought it was as great, and to see that uh, the mention of Ezra is a bit of a trigger yeah. for Hera. That Hera has this kind of cool, calm exterior until. Ezra gets mentioned and then you see that is something that is something that she is she's still dealing with I mean I I think you can look at you can look at it the way she spoke about it with Sabine and it seemed like okay she had grieved she had I don't want to say moved on but she had dealt with it but then you see when she's not speaking to someone that she cares about that you, you know like you don't get to bring up his name like oh I thought that was really, really great. Yeah. Um, watching her come back out and seeing live action uh, Jason, that was a lot of fun. And yes, the idea that he wants to become a Jedi, knowing what happened to his dad, it's going to be very interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, even yeah. though this section was very short, um, I thought it was very, very satisfying.
1: Yeah, Mike, this is a lo- there's a lot goes on here in the back and forth. First of all, it's a diverse group of senators, which I think is a really interesting commentary. And then the back and forth about how they don't want to help and they don't want to be a part of this. Are we sliding into a little bit? Of, I've been saying this on a number of our reviews. Are we sliding into a little bit of dangerous territory that the original trilogy doing all the things that it did eventually just leads to a bunch of incompetent fools pissing it all away, which we've seen in history many, many, many times? But does it undercut a little bit of what we get out of the original trilogy uh, overall? What do you think about all of it?
0: I don't think it does, only because I think we're forgetting that um, there's 30 years between Return of yeah. the Jedi and, uh, and Force Awakens. And as Dave Filoni has said, there's only 18 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So we've got... Another 12 years, like yeah. they fit a lot in those 18 years. We've got another 12 years on top of that. And I think what Filoni's movie or the big event that they're leading to is going to do, like the New Republic isn't going to, they're, they're not just sitting around being like, okay, dody dody do do. And the empire right. like runs roughshod over them. Like they're going to win some battles. Like they're yeah. going to maintain peace in the galaxy for 30 years now. Letting the, uh, letting the First Order build Starkiller Base off in the uh, Unknown regions pretty stupid. But like, but so like, yeah, sure. But like, uh, that's J.J. Abrams' fault more than anybody else's. But I think that what they're doing is they're building in, they are showing how the New Republic is challenged. And yeah. it isn't easy to just be like, hey guys, uh, that whole dictatorship really was bad. Let's have this great democracy with, like, we can't handle democracy in our own fucking country. With 50 states, there are hundreds of planets, if not, you know, if not thousands like in the galaxy. So kind of trying to get any kind of consensus is insane. So I think like we're not go. I don't think they're going to go down the road of like, look at these stupid New Republic idiots. Like, I think they're going to have some wins. In fact, this whole. So first of all, agreeing with Shannon. I, you show me some Mon Calamari ships and my little eight year old heart gets happy. Like, I <laughs> love seeing the New Republic fleet. I love seeing Akbar's ship. I love seeing oh. A wings that are now painted blue because they're matching the colors of the New Republic. Like, that whole opening shot made me happy. The fact that Hera goes into the room that we saw in Return of the Jedi on Akbar's ship to talk to the center, like, it all just geeks me out. Um, to your point about Felia and the heir of the Empire, like yes. this scene that Hera has is more or less exactly what happens in the heir to the Empire books. Just replace Hera with Leia and replace Iono with uh, this Bothan uh, senator Falia. So like Leia showed up, was like, "Hey guys, we're hearing rumors that there's still a Grand Inquisitor left out there. I'm not. I keep saying Grand Inquisitor. A uh, Grand Admiral out there." And everyone's like, no, 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 there's no Grand Admirals. What you talking about? And Leia's like, I'm warning you, it's pretty bad. And they're like, no, no, no. And Failia is like, I think you're crazy. So they they basically did the same thing here, um, but replaced uh Hera with Leia and Zion and Failia with Ziono. If you did watch Star Wars Resistance, you know that Ziono's not necessarily working for the Empire. He's just a dick. And cowardly. <laughs> and uh he's just he's the guy that like Wherever the winds shift, he's not standing up to anybody. Like, that is basically... His character here is in keeping with his character uh, in in Resistance. Um, So, but I do think... I don't trust everybody else. I'm looking at you, lady, who keeps saying the Empire's all gone next to Mon Mothma. Oh, yeah. I... I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else up on that little group of senators is secretly working with the Empire. I think we are going to see that the people that are uh, Imperial sympathizers goes pretty high up. So all really interesting. Uh, Unlike Shannon, I think I'm on the Mary Elizabeth Winstead bandwagon now. I think first episode, I wasn't sure. Second episode, she was growing on me. I think this scene, I was like, you're still not quite Hera from the animated series, but... I like what you're doing. I believe you. I'm feeling you. I, I thought it was really, really nice. Loved her back and forth. Loved her standing up uh, that Ezra is a trigger for her, that she really wants to find out what happened to him. And yeah, love seeing live-action Jason. I also think, for all the people that think is very confusing and that it's Rebels Season 5, w- which it more or less is, I think they are doing a very nice job of doling out the info slowly. Mm-hmm. So, like, first epi- first two episodes, it was like, Sabine was Ahsoka's apprentice. It didn't work out. Thrawn is coming. Ezra got rid of Thrawn. This episode gets into more specifics of, like, the last time we saw the Pergils was when Ezra got rid of Thrawn. Oh, Hera has a son. He wants to be a Jedi. They haven't broached the fact that Jason's dad was a Jedi yet. Right. But like, So, it's like, they're not even dumping. Mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. They're not dumping information on people who have never watched the shows, right. but if you did watch the shows and you know, you're look, turning to your friends like I did and going, "Well, his daddy was a Jedi," so. <laughs> um, so I thought I thought there was just a lot of really fun stuff, and again, kind of really setting up the beginnings. If you if you read *Heir to the Empire* and those Star Wars books, even though Thrawn was a new character in those, you're kind of seeing. Where things are going, and you're just replacing Ahsoka, Sabine, and Hera with Han, Luke, and Leia tracking yeah. down Thrawn. And you kind of see where we're building the blocks to this big event. Good point.
1: Yeah, yeah, good point. And just give a little bit of love to the senators there. Uh, senator Jana was played by Nelson Lee, Senator Rodrigo, who is the other female senator, Jacqueline Antaramian, she plays him, and uh, Maurice J. Irvin played the other senator on the end, then Senator Maywood. So yeah uh, interesting uh, conversations to be had about these senators, which ones are good, which ones are bad. Uh, but let's take a break real quick, and then we'll jump into the back half of the episode here right after
2: this. Do, do, do,
1: do, 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 do. So just to let you know, we spent 36 minutes on the first two sections. So all right, let's hit to this, let's hit this <laughs> last the last section here. Sorry about that. We come back to the ship to hear that Hera can't come along. No ships are coming to help uh ahsoka sabine and huang are in the denab system drop out of hyperspace huang tells ahsoka and sabine about a larger object opti- object that he's sensing with a signature signature that's unknown to him suddenly uh six ships appear behind them two squadrons of three led by shin Hati. she is wearing a clones war era jedi headset which is pretty cool if you go back and watch attack of the clones and revenge of the sith uh sabine uh, heads to the tail gun and we get shades of han and luke and finn shooting out of the tail gun which is cool the space battle ensues Huang kind of calls them out because they're not working together, and eventually, Asoka gives in to Sabine, follows Sabine's lead, uh, and they come upon a hyperspace ring here, which is the Eye of Sion that Morgan was talking about in the last episode. Shin Hati warns Morgan that they are entering her section sector. Morgan gives her shit for letting them get this far. Then Morgan, kind of like out of Austin Powers, calls for the turbo lasers, and and Shin Hati breaks off with Merrick on her wing, and he speaks. Marok speaks, as you wish. The Eye of Sion shoots as Yang receives da- data about the Eye of Sion. Uh, funny scene of Huang asking them to get closer as they so they can get more data about the Eye of Sion, which I thought was hilarious. Great flying here from Ahsoka. And just as the scan is complete, we see an explosion. Yang is out. Sabine ends up running a diagnostic while Ahsoka gets on out there in her space suit in the, on the wing of that ship and uh, has some badass moments here. Shin gives Morgan shit for letting them uh, go and says she'll handle it now. Uh, Sabine eventually fixes the ship. Ahsoka gets back in. They take off. And Ahsoka is tracking something else. And, oh, my God, it's the live action. Pergils, the space whales, are here. We get an extended battle sequence here with Shin crew and uh, Ahsoka and Sabine. And it feels a lot like what we got in Solo with the fight that was going on there, I think with the Kessel Run near the end of the movie there. Uh, Ahsoka and Sabine escape close to the surface of Sitos. They sit down there amongst the red-leaved trees. And they say Sin- they see Shin and Marok overhead fly overhead past them. After a few moments, they power back on. But Sabine has a moment and says she hasn't seen the Pergil since Ezra disappeared. So very emotional moment there hu yang tells him that the eye of sinai has not finished uh being constructed with a final hyperdrive that is being set into position he also tells them it's a hyperspace ring but one that huang has never seen on this scale and says that this craft could make a hyperspace jump of astonishing speed and distance um and this is a just a real quick lucasfilm star wars high republic transmedia initiative has revealed the history of the hyperspace ring it was actually associated with a group of space pirates known as the nihil and must have been subsequently adopted by the Republic. Ahsoka asks if it could make a jump to a neighboring galaxy. Huyang Yang says yes, if the people operating it knew the coordinates of navigation. He reveals that the Jedi archives speak of intergalactic hyperspace lanes between galaxies that used to follow the migration paths of star whales named Pergil. That is huge, huge stuff. So are we talking about inhabitants of many galaxies crossing the void in ancient history? We shall see. And then we end up with Balin. Who senses them there in the forest and sends his people, who include HK assassination droids, down there to hunt them down. So, Michael, a lot in the space battle, a lot revealed here, uh, uh, and the uh, mythology of Star Wars as well. Your thoughts on this stuff?
0: I mean, overall, I just sat there, kind of smiling, being like, "I can't believe we get like space battles like this on TV." Like this was—I mean, this was great. I mean, it was a full Star Wars space battle. Uh, It felt like. Classic Star Wars, it felt like the best episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, it really was just the Star Wars space battle that you love come to life. You had your bad guys, you know, you had your mysterious masked inquisitor. Shinhati is getting sassier and sassier every episode. Like, it's a blast. And I love the idea, you know, Ahsoka gave a little bit here. Like, she was kind of giving Sabine the whole feel the force, feel the force. And Sabine was like, bitch, we getting shot at. and she was like okay what do you want to do and like watching them sort of team up it was nice like seeing them both sort of master and apprentice come a little bit closer together uh, was a nice moment for the two of them in the middle of all the action and then uh, yeah and then Ahsoka going out onto the wing with her lightsabers I mean who doesn't love that like how do you not go okay well that that was awesome I mean that was just great and even like getting back in Sabine sort of Hit like shifting the wings so that Ahsoka can catch it and then wrap around and hop in. Like it was all just really, really, really well done. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for every fricking person on Twitter to start analyzing <laughs> Marok's voice and his yes. as you wish and being like, okay, well, I think, I mean, I had seen people being like, well, when they were flying around the purgles, Marok kind of, br- he looked to the side because he was looking at the purgles, which means it must be Ezra. And I'm like, oh my God, he really is the new Mephisto. He is the new Mephisto. He is just going to be some dude who was an Inquisitor. And we are, oh, it's not. It was Starkiller, Cal Kestis, Barris Offee, the Clone of Luke, Clone of Ahsoka, Clone Snoke Luke. Jr. Like, I mean, literally every freaking thing in the world. I'm like, well, just let the dude be. Let him be cool. Like, let's just wait and see. Um, the other thing that I found really interesting, like Morgan Elsbeth and Shin Hati's Cold War, it's great. It's great, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Like from the first episode, where she like looked, uh, she looked over at um Balin and was like, "She's a witch."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then everything since then, and this whole like Morgan Elsbeth being like, "I'm surprised you let them get this close." And then Shin Hans, like, "Congratulations, Elsbeth or Morgan, you almost got her. I've I've got her." <laughs> like it, th- these two do not like each other. I'm curious. As much as we talk about Balin and like wanting to know more about his past and like he's got a level of honor to him and what's his deal. Is Shin Hati gonna go full dark side? Like is she leaning sit like they're like the between Morgan and Balin and Shin and Marok, they've actually given us four villains that are all really different Mm. and have mysteries of their own and are all really compelling, which is really kind of great to do. Like they've created four characters that are all really fun and fascinating. Yeah. Um seeing the pergil in live action is just a joy. And it was be- again beautifully shot them yeah. swooping around them getting lost like losing losing Marok and Shin as they sort of wrap around the pergil like it was a fantastic awesome sequence that then established the pergola again in that whole like let's let's dole information out slowly we've now seen them hey i haven't seen them since ezra got rid of thron they're just sort of like taking the new audience in and saying we're gonna give you this in bits and pieces um and yeah then the information that hu yang has at the end um the nihil in the high republic are way more than just space pirates they are like the big bad guys in Ooh. the high republic books um, and their ability to sort of navigate hyperspace lanes uh, in ways that nobody else could was like the reason that they became as powerful as they did in the High Republic. So definitely makes sense to tie them into everything. And then this idea that the Pergil are sort of the originators of hyperspace, that, that people back in the day before we had all these hyperspace lanes or had computers that had the ability to navigate hyperspace, you had to either follow Pergils or you had to be force sensitive so that you could sort of feel where you were going and didn't, you know, fly into a planet. So this idea that Jedi long ago traveled the hyperspace lanes like like really really interesting stuff uh that was beginning to be established in Rebels, but now I think again feels like it's going to take us into an entire new chapter of Star Wars, like opening things up to other galaxies, other places, things we've never seen or done before like there's a there's an opportunity to really expand things in directions that we never thought they would go, that could be really great for Star Wars as a brand in the long term.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think this is Filoni going look, I'm not going to throw a bunch of mystical, uh, you know, magic and out there stuff at you. All at once, we're going to slowly work into it. I'm going to slowly bring you along with this. So the pacing, as you said, Michael, over and over again in this review, just so perfectly uh, pointed out by you because that is exactly what's happening here. Slow, Even for the people who've seen Rebels, slowly ramping you back up into this world and showing you all this stuff. Getting you reacquainted with all this stuff and what's happening here and where we're going with all of this because clearly we're going to be jumping within worlds, jumping in galaxies. There's a lot coming, so you've got to lay the groundwork very firmly so that people will go along with you on these journeys. Shannon, your thoughts on what we got here in these uh, in the pew pew section of this episode, and then all the stuff and conversation and mythology that we got revealed as well.
2: I mean, I super enjoyed it. I mean. Yeah. Uh, th- You can ding Marvel or or certain Star Wars shows for effects, but this is not one of those sequences. I mean, this sequence just looked really, really, really good. Um, I thought it was super funny that when Sabine went to the gunner, went to the gun, and she says, tells Ahsoka, you got rid of my presets. I thought that was a nice little shout out to the gaming community, but also it's kind of a nice window into their relationship. That's basically saying, oh, you got rid of my toothbrush. And Ahsoka's saying, I didn't need it. (laughs) <laughs> so watching how their partnership is not working at the beginning and Ahsoka being the one to give in to be like, you know what? She's actually the one with the guns. I need to do what I can do to make to make her uh her aim better. Right. And right. watching her get on, you know, get on Sabine's side, like, all right, on, you know, I'm gonna go on your call. I thought that was really, really nice. Um, yeah, Maroque speaks. Ah. <laughs> He did say, as you wish, which is, you know, something Vader said in episode four. So is this a clone of Anakin? Who knows? (laughs) Or is it a dude in a helmet? Again, I'm pretty sure that helmet's coming off at some point. I don't know if there, you know, it's someone of note underneath it, but I'm pretty sure that helmet's going to come off at some point. Um, You know, I thought the whole battle was fun. I got more Empire vibes, but instead Mm. of uh, an asteroid belt, it's uh, the tentacles of a Purgle which I thought was so, so much fun. Um, and yeah, the the uh, uh, rivalry between Elsbeth and Shin, I think is just gorgeous. It's just so much fun to watch these two uh, passive-aggressively, you know, take shots at <laughs> each other. <laughs> um, and as they get down on the ground, or no, excuse me, when Ahsoka goes out onto the wing, which I thought was badass, yeah. I do think maybe... There for folks that are not as into the star wars universe as you know folks like the three of us and our audience um having some sort of clarification how she's able to stay on the wing might have been helpful like mag- magnetic boots and gate you know whatever you know some sort of reason that there's you know that's that's why she's not floating off into space but watching her deflect uh turbo laser fire with her lightsabers was super awesome. And, and again, watching her being able to slice a ship in half uh, goes to show you the power of the lightsaber, but also the power of the wielder, which I thought was was just awesome. Um, watching them get down onto Citos, seeing that great shot of Ray Stevenson. Again, that was just uh, ugh, I just wanted more. I just wanted it to keep going at that point. And I thought, you know, the what Balin, the way what he said to the droids when he said hunt them down, he didn't say kill them. Because I think he doesn't, I don't think he wants to kill Ahsoka. Um, But yeah, I mean, I thought the conclusion was great. Yeah, I think um, what you said earlier, Mike, was interesting too. Like
1: we've got these four villains, but they are wild cards in interesting ways. Because we don't know, with Shin Hati and this, as Shannon so accurately pointed out, this passive aggressive relationship with Morgan Elsbeth is an interesting dynamic to throw in all of this. Uh, and then with Balin doing what he's doing, there's a there's a nobility to Balin that uh, mm-hmm. although he did wipe out everybody on the New Republic ship in the first episode, there is a nobility with how he reveres or speaks about Ahsoka, uh, and so there's something here to be explored. Morgan Elsbeth is basically going to sacrifice the whole damn world to bring Thrawn back, or galaxy to bring Thrawn back. So n- nobody is, uh, I'm sorry, everybody's expendable in her mind. Uh, and then Morok, we don't know what we have in Morok, who Morok is, so. It's going to be curious to see what his allegiance is going to be. If stuff starts to fall apart, which side is he going to go on? Does he kill Balin under Shin Hati's control? Because remember, Shin Hati is the one guiding him in this battle uh, throughout the uh, this sequence with uh, Ahsoka and Sabine. So just a lot of interesting X factors to throw in with these villains for sure.
0: I will say, I, yeah. and I'm mad that I'm even saying this, but like I was going back through <laughs> Rebels and I watched the episode where go. Ezra and Maul went to the went to Dathomir and went to see the Night Sisters who were all dead, and like they all the Night Sisters took people over, and like they were all Kanan and Ezra were fighting each other, and then I was reading online, which is a valid point. Like everyone is like, why is there this ancient map? That was in this old Night Sisters temple for like hundreds of years that says where Thrawn and Ezra are. If Thrawn and Ezra only disappeared, like, you know, 10, 5, however many years ago they disappeared, mm-hmm. five years ago. Um, and i was like man okay like so like if ezra like like n- literally nerded out hard in my head, i'm like okay so like if ezra still had access to the world between worlds that he had at the end of rebels and he could go back through time and like he needed to get people a message and so he had this map and then the nice my, my sisters found the map and they knew it was going to happen and then like they found like i literally was like building a case on why Marok could be ezra in my head as i was oh. like i don't think it's ezra i don't want it to be ezra so uh so yeah so keeping score for everybody like all bets are on the table, but I still don't want it to be Ezra. But I'm starting to like be like, okay, well, that would answer that question. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting. I, I I think the idea that there's this ancient map that says here's where these people disappeared to who disappeared five years ago on space whales. I'm like, that is okay. Interesting. I don't know. So uh hmm. so so I'm I, I I recognize that I am now Mephistoing as we did wow. so well so long ago. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Wow.
1: Oh, oh. Here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh. <laughs> so very, very possible that's what's going on for sure. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure there's a lot to
2: be revealed. Shannon, any final words on this episode? I mean to play devil's advocate here. You know, if you put a you put a character in a mask, you don't have to worry about an actor. You get you get a really good stunt performer who is very physical and you don't have to worry about line readings. So there's an argument to be made for
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is true that like i know for final words but back on the, but like just yeah. saying that like you know boba fett became one of the most popular characters in star wars and nobody took his helmet off for you yeah. know 20 odd years like he was awesome. just cool because he was mysterious and i will say that i think what's great about Moroke so far is despite the theorizing that literally the entire internet is doing right now mm-hmm. um he it's because he's a cool character that yeah. whether even if he just turns out to be some badass inquisitor, like he has, they they've successfully created that air of mystery around a character that you want to have. Like he's cool. Yeah, that's why we're thinking he could be this, that, or the other thing. But regardless of if he is somebody or is nobody, like he's a fun, cool character to add to the mix of these villains. Yeah, and I'll say this to,
1: to wrap up my thoughts. I, I think this was a fantastic episode, and I think there are. I think it's doing double duty. And I wonder if years from now, we're going to look back on this episode as having laid the groundwork for not only Filoni's movie, but possibly James Mangold's movie that's going back to the birth of the Jedi. And uh, these elements and these things that were revealed in this episode will be things that tie into that, uh, both of those movies uh, overall. And I'd be curious to see that. And Ray's movie. Right. And Ray's movie, of course.
0: I hope what Star Wars and Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and everybody took away from the new trilogy is don't make it up as you go along. Right, Like Ahsoka is saying some very specific things about what it means to be a Jedi and like John said we know we have a movie coming about the origins of the Jedi and we know that Rey's movie is going to be about her rebuilding the Jedi Order and the Jedi Order and what they did right and what they did wrong is the connective tissue from the High Republic to the Knights of the Old Republic to the original trilogy to the prequel it's all that's the thing that connects it. And so I hope that what is being established here to John's point is the beginnings of them saying, this is what it means to be a Jedi. Yeah. And
1: what you said earlier, a new way of approaching. Of the jedi and expanding it out to fit the tastes that are happening now in our pop culture all right well there you go that's our spoiler review for episode three time for me to fly no it's time to fly here uh from us uh, from steph green director steph green doing another wonderful job with action for god's sakes hand this woman a feature film at some point down the road in star wars or if you run a franchise any franchise look at her marvel dc look at her Uh, Fast and Furious, fuck it. Look at her as someone you want to hire to direct an installment in your franchise. Just throwing it out there. Plus, and I know I'm going to get shit for this possibly. I love that this was all women. I thought this was a great thing. It occurred to me as I was watching. Like, this is all female actors. Yeah, Marok is a male actor, but it's in a helmet, in a costume. Yes, David Tennant is voicing Hu Wang, and we only get Balin right at the end. So I like that we got the Senators a little bit, but this was very much female-focused, female-driven with these female actors. It was nice to see that as a balance to all the years that we've gotten all male people doing these kinds of stories. So I I kind of enjoy that. So just giving a shout-out on that. end. All right, well, thank you all so much for
2: joining us for this review. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? yeah if you would like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel and let him know the proper way to pronounce moroc it's at mk tune <laughs> and if you would like to follow mr roca and tell him to keep fast and furious away from steph green <laughs> steph green deserves better it's at the roca says hey that paycheck is nice
0: michael uh, what, what do you got there uh, look, we hope you enjoyed this episode, the theorizing, the love, and uh, Shannon's bad attitude. We hope you liked all of it. Um, and here's what you can do to keep us doing what we do. You can smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. What do you like? What do you hate? What do you think of Maroque? Like, let us know all of it below. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rank. As always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well,
1: and we'll talk to you next time. Look for our main show coming out later this week, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here of Ahsoka on the
2: Geek (gasps) Buddies.
0: Hey!